ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. It's a story you'd never expect to hear in Australia. A child with a disability is placed in a padded room and surrounded by adults in protective clothing and helmets. He's later pinned down in a so-called treatment for his autism. Today, Anne Connolly on her Four Corners investigation and the regulation of the National Disability Insurance Scheme. And a warning, some listeners may find this episode disturbing. The NDIS, it helps a lot of people, a lot of Australians. But you've been looking into its failings too. I want you to first tell me about Jaden and his family. So Jaden is a, a boy in Melbourne. He has an intellectual disability and autism. Petra, his mother, who's a single mum, has some trouble with some of his behaviours. My kids and I, our lives were ruled by Jaden. Everything we do every day was ruled by Jaden. His demands in our household were number one. You know, what Jaden says went. He's on the NDIS. She was looking for help and, and she went to a particular autism service. So she went to the NDIS for help and she got it. That's right. She applied and she was given a package and then she had to find her own services to help her, which is the way the NDIS works. And she found a, a particular service called Irabina Autism Services in Melbourne and it ran a course for children called the Severe Behaviour Programme. And it was based on what is called Applied Behaviour Analysis or ABA, which is a sometimes controversial therapy used for people with autism. And so Jaden was signed up to attend this particular program six hours a day, five days a week. Right. And he had this therapy in the offices of the company they were using. That's right. It was during COVID. Jaden was 14 at the time. His mother would drop him off at the centre. She did get to see some of it, mm-hmm. but she didn't get to see it up close until after about 10 months. The whole program went for a year. At the end of that time, it came to their family home and she got to see it up close. And describe for me what she saw then. Well, she was concerned about what was happening with her son. He was being asked to follow instructions and when he didn't, some of the therapists would constantly redirect him. They would actually put their hands on him. They would just repeat over and over to move into the centre of the room or we will move you. physically move him, even if he was shouting and screaming at them to stop, and they wouldn't stop. What she saw concerned her because her son was screaming and crying, sometimes crying out for her, and she filmed it because she wanted evidence of what was happening. She, she had some concerns about it. It was so disgraceful and so horrific and so traumatic and so wrong. I'm just astounded 
that in Australia something like this could happen. And Anne, you also managed to get hold of footage from inside the Severe Behaviour Program. This involved a different child. What did it show? Well, it is really disturbing vision. It is CCTV footage of a boy, a teenager. He's part of the Severe Behaviour Program. And what we have is some footage showing how his treatment happened. It is extremely disturbing to watch. There are six staff in that room with that boy. It's a small room. The boy has had a behaviour and he's being asked to sit still. While he's supposed to be sitting still, there are six people surrounding him. They are wearing helmets, face shields, gloves and other protective gear. We need to be calm for five minutes. That means not hurting us or yourself. Five minutes. And when this boy doesn't last and rushes at them. He is picked up from the legs. He is held by the head. He is wrestled to the ground, if you like. And then each of the workers in that room pin him on the ground with his face down in a prone restraint, which is prohibited uh, throughout Australia uh, for people with disability. He stays like that for about seven minutes or so and then he's released from the room. I can't imagine what it's like to watch it, but even just the description of it, it's so chilling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Tell me about Melissa Webster. She worked at Irabina and says the program was hidden from staff not directly involved. She raised the alarm after seeing critical incident reports about how children were being restrained. Melissa Webster is really the whistleblower who had this program stopped. She was the chief operating officer at Irabina. There were children that were held down, children that were secluded and restrained really significantly. It wasn't until later that I found out that we're not actually practices that are legal here in Australia or Victoria. And she reported it to the NDIS Quality and Safeguards Commission. And what happened? Well, this is one of the issues. The reason that she's speaking to us is because although something did happen, as in those prohibited practices were stopped, not much else did happen. Mm -hmm. Nobody was fined. There was no other penalty and there was no actual information made public so that the families who'd put their children in there had any idea of what was going on. We asked the NDIS Safeguards Commissioner, Tracy Mackey, about what happened at Irabina. They were a service provider that particularly provided supports um, to participants with really complex and often um, quite challenging um, behaviours. And so um, they had a particular approach. Um, that approach had been in place for some time. And when we became aware of what was happening there in terms of their approach, there was immediate action taken to cease um, a number of elements um, of their practice. She said that she was uh, concerned about it. I asked her directly, since this is so disturbing, you know, what action had been taken? And she said that there have been compliance actions taken. This is a human rights breach and you decided that they didn't deserve a fine, that you would just create some compliance action. Why not take more serious action against them? 
there are a range of actions that we can take with any provider and shutting down that particular service and ensuring that that program was not operating anymore um, was the decision that the Commission made at that time. And Irabina, it really used the NDIS to expand its business, didn't it? It's a not-for-profit. It doubled its revenue in one year from $7 million to $14 million. Mm -hmm. A lot of that came from, we believe, the Severe Behaviour Program because a year-long treatment, at least for Jaden, cost half a million dollars oh for gosh. a year program. Irabina was acquired by new owners earlier this year and it stopped operating the autism program in 2022. And I want to talk to you about other aspects of your investigation now that don't involve Irabina, because you also looked at problems in the NDIS when it comes to fraud and overcharging, which are not allegations that have been made about Irabina. So we did a crowdsourced investigation for the NDIS asking families, people on the scheme, workers and insiders to contact us and tell us what they thought and what issues they had. The vast majority all said it had changed their lives, overwhelmingly positive. But the issues that they did highlight were things like being overcharged, being charged fraudulently, people taking advantage of them, difficulty navigating the system. Providers charging exorbitant amount of money, taking massive amounts of fees. I've had two providers embezzle money from my fund, uh, which have not been investigated. What's interesting about the NDIS is it is a system which is extremely easy to rort. Now, the NDIS estimates that in one year about $850 million went in mistakes and errors. Mm. We asked them how much of that was fraud, but the NDIA, which is the agency which runs the scheme, wouldn't answer that question. This is a lot of money. And the reason that people can so easily be overcharged or mistakenly charged is because there's no checks and balances. So a provider just puts in an invoice to the NDIA and it is paid. There's no checking with the client to see whether they received a service. So it's extremely easy to overcharge or even charge for a service which didn't actually happen. Mm, right, and so there are serious issues and allegations of abuse and fraud within the system that's meant to be protecting people with disability. Can this whole system actually be cleaned up? And how can it be cleaned up? Obviously, the NDIS has changed the lives of so many people. I think that the real question is, when you turn people who have a disability into consumers, you're putting an enormous responsibility onto them. They have to choose a service and they, if it's funded by the NDIS, they naturally assume that it is okay. And so we've got the Disability Royal Commission handing down its findings on Friday. They're going to be having to look at so many issues, mainly about financing of the scheme, and that's been the focus so far. But as our story has shown, it's the safety of people uh, with a disability. And so the question is, is the NDIS going to give some teeth to the regulator? Because at the moment, people don't know exactly what's happening inside. Anne Connolly is an investigative journalist with the ABC. You can catch her Four Corners investigation on iview. 
In a statement to the program, Irabina says its severe behaviour program was modelled on those used widely in the United States and its intention was always to provide the highest level of care and support to children and their families. It says it regrets if it did not meet this objective and any distress that's been caused. The company stopped operating in May 2023. The Royal Commission into the NDIS is due to pass down its report to the government later this week. This episode was produced by Nell Whitehead, Bridget Fitzgerald, Lara Corrigan and Anna John, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is David Cody. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. <laughs>